Well, hello, my name is Ken Coates. I'm a senior fellow at the McDonald laurie Institute. I'm here today with Estella Peterson, who has really come to national attention just in the last couple of days. She wrote a wonderful article in the Globe and Mail about the experiences of being an Indigenous woman in the oil and gas sector. And I'm speaking to Estella today from Fort McMurray. So Estella, thank you very much for joining us today. Hi there. Estelle, what made you write the article? That's a really unusual piece. It's a very positive and constructive piece. It talks about the role of women in the oil and gas sector, Indigenous women, and gives a very different portrait from the one that some people are portraying about the industry. Why did you write this? I'm glad it came across as positive because I wasn't feeling very positive. For me, it was more of a response to what was happening in the media. I just wanted to clarify some things that I knew were getting misrepresented in the media. So what were those things? What was, what, what was being misrepresented? Well, I just felt, for one thing, that all Indigenous people were being seen or being lumped together as against the oil and gas and the pipelines and any energy sector, really. And we're not. There's a lot of us that work in it. Well, it actually has one of the highest percentages of Indigenous employees of any sector in the whole Canadian economy, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Well, as far as I know, yeah. So how did you get involved in the industry? If you read that article, you know that it was kind of a life change. It was divorce and children graduating from high school, and I was left alone. So I thought I'll just move up to Fort McMurray. Well, I applied at about a lot of different places and was hired by one and have been living here for almost nine years now. Fantastic. I enjoy Fort McMurray a lot. It has this really interesting reputation, people associated with oil sands and certain people who are critical of oil sands have made it sound like Fort McMurray is a very unattractive place. It's actually quite a lovely town and a wonderful sense of community spirit and engagement, doesn't it? It's beautiful here. It's like in the Boreal Forest. And if you want to see natural beauty, you should come here. I know that it's portrayed in the media, again, as ugly, because you see like the worst parts of the mines, but it's beautiful here. People should come here. <laughs> we'll, we'll convince them to come, Stella. That's great. What a reaction have you had from the article? What have people said to you about the article you wrote? Actually, it made me pretty shy because I just wrote it as a response. I didn't really think it would get much reaction at all. I've been reading the comments because they're also positive and heartwarming. And even at work, people like comment to me that it was a really nice piece. So I'm pleased with it. Well, you're very brave to read the comments. Or those of us who write in the press an awful lot, we tend to avoid reading them because that actually hurts our feelings. <laughs> I did read the negative ones too, though. I do see people's other side of things, but they're yeah. not getting the whole picture. So Estella, just tell me a bit about the role that companies have played? I mean, the companies have been welcoming to you as an Indigenous woman. Have they been giving you training programs and opportunities and that sort of thing? Yeah, I've been lucky, I guess, because when I first started nine years ago, there were Indigenous people, but I didn't see many Indigenous women. So I was lucky that I got some experience with a contractor, a couple of contractors, actually, and then moved on to the bigger company. I'm a heavy equipment operator, so I've worked on so many different pieces of equipment, and I hope to learn more. That's my goal. I just love the way you're destroying lots of stereotypes. Because, in fact, the stereotype is that women don't operate heavy equipment. The stereotype is Indigenous people don't work in the oil and gas sector. 
the stereotype is that people don't really want to live in Fort McMurray. You're throwing all of those out the window simultaneously. That's right. And even more. <laughs> <laughs> as a woman, as an Indigenous person, when you joined the oil and gas sector, were there challenges? And what are those challenges? You know, we know that every industry has issues they have to deal with. What do you see those being in the oil and gas sector? It's only my opinion, but what I think the problem is, is maybe the relationship between oil and gas and the Indigenous. Like, I think it has to be clear and respectful. I think they're building on it now, at least the ones that I know of. They are trying to build a respectful relationship and employ and train more Indigenous people. Yeah, well, I know they're certainly doing a a lot of recruiting and trying to get sort of folks into the industry and they're obviously very pleased with your contribution. I want to just talk a little bit more about Fort McMurray, if you don't mind. When we talk about the oil and gas industry, we end up with sort of two stories that come out. One of them is about the impact of the oil and gas on Canada as a whole, either in terms of energy consumption, but also in terms of the economy. And the second one is about the impact on individual workers like yourself. So if the oil and gas industry is in trouble, you get fewer hours or laid off or something of that nature. But people almost never talk about the impact on communities. You're living in Fort McMurray. The oil and gas industries have a really tough time the last four or five months. Talk to me a little bit about the kind of things that you're feeling in Fort McMurray and the kind of changes it's having. I tell you, I'm a real fan of small town Canada and the smaller centers in northern communities. And I've spent a lot of time in Fort McMurray over the years. And it's a very tightly bonded community. People care a lot about the facilities and the recreational activities and things of that sort. So talk a little bit, if you could, about the impact that the oil and gas industry has at the community level. We had a fire in 2016. We had the flooding this year. (laughs) And now we have the pandemic. But I feel like oil and gas has always been the backbone of this community. For example, when I went through the fire, lost my home and also was affected by the flooding. And both times my company contacted me and offered support. I know that they're doing that to other people too. It's not just me. I've seen it. The the infrastructure here, you know, the recreation centers to sports, everything. Right now, there's so many job losses and I know they're trying to accommodate workers to keep them. It's important for us, I think, to remember the community effect, isn't it? To keep make sure we understand that when the boom happens, the whole community is affected. When a bust happens, it's the same sort of thing. We've talked about this before. You said you, you wrote this piece because you were frustrated by the fact that so many people thought, oh, all Indigenous people oppose oil and gas development. And they just don't like it. Now, you know that's not true. So what do you say to those commentators? What do you say to people who say that Indigenous people are standing up in opposition to oil and gas? I'd like to say that people should do a little more research and they should find out exactly how many people are employed by the oil and gas sector. I know that those people that were protesting, the Indigenous people, they were getting a lot of social media attention. Social media is great, but it also can be misrepresenting. On all sides, isn't it? I mean, we see people on all political issues and everything like that pushing in different directions. So I want you to be politician for a day or for a minute, only a minute. Canada has been sort of uneven in its support of oil and gas. Sometimes they're in favor. They bought the Trans Mountain Pipeline after all, and they're seeing its construction go ahead. At the same time, they're implementing new regulatory barriers and processes that are, for example, the Frontier Mine, 
which was going to go ahead and would have been a huge asset in the Fort McMurray area, has been postponed. I'm not sure if it's been canceled, but been slowed down. And that would have had a real effect on the, the whole supply chain in the Fort McMurray area. So if you were speaking directly to the government of Canada on the question of oil and gas development, what would you say? If I could speak directly to them, I'd probably say, I know their intentions are good to go greener, but oil and gas has been the backbone to Canada's success. People move to Canada from all over the world to have a better life. And we can't have a better life when we're receiving government assistance. We need to work. Canadians want to work from what I hear. There's so many blue collar people in Canada and we want to work. We want to be proud of contributing into society. So let us have oil and gas and maybe green energy can coexist with oil and gas. I know that you need oil and gas to have green energy. So I'm pretty passionate about it, but I hope the government doesn't just go in favor of what's popular. They need to do what's yeah. right. Now, that's a really good point. It's interesting in California right now, they're having some real problems with brownouts and they need to sort of shut down, you know, electricity to whole communities for a couple of hours a day. And part of the reason is that because of the climate and because of other circumstances, the wind and solar power isn't keeping up with demand. And so they actually have to use fossil fuel energy, but they've canceled it. So they don't have the capacity to back it up. And I think your point about coexistence is right. I mean, we're going to have a long tail down. It's going to take decades, generations for us to get off oil and gas entirely. And great opportunities for Canada in the interim. A chance for you personally, but for Indigenous people in northern Saskatchewan, northern Alberta generally as well. You said you were a mother and had kids and all that kind of good stuff. What do you say to a young Indigenous person who's thinking of a career in oil and gas? Obviously, it's meant a lot to you. Well, my son just recently started in oil and gas. He's also a heavy equipment operator, but he started school for environmental technologies. So I think you can still work in oil and gas, but there's so many different fields. I think we can go cleaner, and I know that most of the companies are going that way. And I think our environmental standards in Canada are one of the best in the world. (laughs) So it's nothing to be ashamed of to work for oil and gas. I find it so sad that you have to even say that. It's a a strong industry for Canada, well-regulated. It is one of the most heavily regulated oil industries in the world. It's sort of up there with Norway and a few other places. The companies have made some amazing transitions to make things better as time has gone along. And it's so frustrating that a relatively small number of protesters have been able to paint it in a very different way. Well, the rest of the people are protesting against oil and gas. I always wonder, like, how are you communicating this online, using your cell phone, using your laptop, everything that's made from oil and gas? Don't people realize how much we use it? Well, I think your question answers itself. I don't think people do. We take it for granted in a whole bunch of ways. This conversation has been wonderful. Thank you very much for joining us. And McDonald-Laurie Institute is making a real effort to sort of let the country know the role that Indigenous people have in the oil and gas sector. We explain the protests. We understand why people are opposed to certain aspects of oil and gas. But we found particularly interesting to talk to folks like yourself who are breaking down barriers and creating new pathways. Um, So I wish you all the very best in your career. 
And thank you very much for joining the McDonald Lurie Institute today. Thank you. One of the things that I wanted to add was another reason that I wrote my letter to Globe and Mail was because I felt that there was becoming more racial tension from the Indigenous people protesting and Canadians. And we've always had an issue with racial tension. We don't need more. We don't need Canadians divided even more. That's a very powerful point, Estelle. Thank you for making that. It's kind of an interesting thing where the people who support oil and gas see themselves as we must push back against Indigenous folks. Well, no, Indigenous folks are embedded in the industry very deeply and very profoundly. Yes. And, and we don't need to racialize the issue in That's that particular right. kind of way. We need to know that there are people like you out there, that people are like you are in the industry and making a difference. Thank you for your letter to the Global Mail. That was very effective. I congratulate you on that. But also thank you for being interviewed by us today. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure Estella, talking to you. Estella Peterson, thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Let's just see if Allison turns.